0: You are listening to Think Theory Radio. 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 Hello and welcome to Think Theory Radio, the show that brings you topics outside the mainstream realm of thought and ideas to make you think. And I'm your host, Damien Perdue, your guide on this metaphysical ride of esoteric delights. And of course, Manning the 1s and 2s and 3s and 4s, Polly C. Yo, yo, yo. And today we have a special guest. And we're going to delve into the secrets of Freemasonry and expose all the truths.
1: <laughs> the I want to welcome uh, Brother Justice to the show. Hello. Hey, guys. Thank you for having me. Uh, I really appreciate being here. And uh, let's get to it. Yeah, no, thanks for coming out, man. I, I appreciate it. Uh... Obviously, people, listeners of the show
0: know that I love talking about any kind of occult wisdom and esoteric knowledge. And Freemasons come up quite a quite a little bit on this show. And uh, anything like especially to do with ancient history and the kind of uh, I guess you want to call it maybe a genealogy throughout the years, you know, into kind of secret societies like Freemasonry or or others, even, you know, the Bavarian Illuminati or whatever else. And we're, I know you kind of through the hip hop scene, you're also a hip hop head. Yeah. And in recent years, I've been seeing you post all these like amazing photos of these books, like just really uh, interesting, uh, historical
1: kind of documentative
0: Books on Freemasonry and occult wisdom, and I was like, "Wow, I got to
1: get this guy on the show." Definitely, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, and what what uh what drew you to Freemasonry, and how long have you been in it?
1: Uh, well, I'm about five years now. So, okay. so basically, uh, what happened was uh, I was always intrigued by it. I think it, in high school. You know, I had a friend in shop class or whatever, auto class, you know, he pulled out a back of a dollar bill and he's like, hey, you know, if you mark the letters, it spells Mason and there's a pyramid and my brother says it's about the Freemasons. And then ironically enough, we had a a step to teacher, like a substitute teacher or whatever. And uh, he had a Masonic ring on And my friend. The same friend was like, see, look, at, he's a Freemason. Yeah. You know, look at his ring. My brother says they run the world. And so I asked this gentleman, his name was Mr. Robbins. I was like, hey, how can I become a Freemason? He's like, well, you have to be age 21. And quite frankly, I don't think you have what it takes to be a Freemason. (laughs) I'm like, dang, you know, so he shot me down. Um, So I guess, uh, you know, my friend is sitting right here. Uh, I guess we had a joke about like joining. Uh, because his brother is, like, freaked out about the Freemasons. Okay. He thinks, like, they really run the world yeah. and they sacrifice children and, yeah. like, weird, bizarre stuff. So I guess, like, we were just having a joke, like, hey, let's let's join. But I guess I was, I was really serious about it. Yeah. You know, because I was really intrigued by it and I would collect books whenever I would find on the topic. You know, garage sales, antique stores, whatever. Uh, I would find books about it. And so I petitioned a lodge um, that I was invited to. I guess uh, there's a restaurant that I go to, like a Chicago style hot dog place that I go to. I guess the owner was a Freemason. Okay. Uh There was a car with a license plate and a decal and I asked the owner because I was cool with him. I was like, Hey, whose car is that? And one thing led to another, you know, I met with the guy and he invited me to his lodge and uh, I became a member of Barrington 522 in Barrington, Illinois. And I got initiated there. And uh, fast forward, you know, now I'm working for the Grand Lodge of Illinois on their education committee. Uh, I'm the Lodge education officer and historian, assistant librarian at the Scottish Rite Valley of Chicago, and assistant editor of the Illinois Lodge of Research. And uh, it's been an incredible journey. And yeah. I'm also the host of uh, a YouTube channel called Modern Working Tools, today's okay. tools for the modern Freemason. So, yeah, you could definitely look for that on YouTube and on Facebook. That's awesome. So have you run into that teacher that shot you down? You're like, yes. what's up, dude? Yes. <laughs> he actually joined my lodge. Oh, wow. Yeah, I guess uh, his lodge, uh, they were selling their building in Lake Zurich or something like that, and then they ended up merging with our lodge. Okay. And I, I told him that story, and like, it was pretty funny. We yeah. laughed about it. <laughs> so, yeah. It's like I proved you wrong, dude Definitely <laughs> Not
0: only did you join, though You actually became like a kind of A very contributing member and yeah, like very in it. yeah, very active Definitely
1: Very active And uh, still going Still going strong so.
0: Yeah, and that's one of the reasons I brought you on, too Because I think Much like uh, you were saying uh, Your friend and his brother you know, believe in the conspiracy theories of, yeah. of Freemasonry. I mean, I know when I was younger, I totally believed that stuff, you know. I did too. Yeah. And I remember meeting a guy when I was really young who told me he was in it. Yeah. Like, you know, knew all the secrets and you know, and as you get older and you actually start, you know, really studying and learning history, you kind of learn it's, you know, not what it is on the surface. Of course, there are people that run the world that are probably Freemason, but right. there's also other people that run I don't think any of the Saudi royal family or Freemasons right. or anything. So,
1: so before I get into it, though, I would like to make a disclaimer. You yes. know, the, the views sure. and opinions that I'm going to express tonight are solely of my own. Mm-hmm. They don't represent in any way, shape, or form of any, you know, jurisdictions or affiliations I'm a part of, any groups. Yeah. Uh, I'm speaking on behalf of me. Okay. Uh, it's no official position. You know, not one person can speak for a worldwide fraternity. obviously. For sure. Uh, but yeah, I just want to <laughs> throw that out there <laughs> to save my behind. So, so.
0: you're not going tell me the secret <laughs> underground
1: <laughs> no definitely not <laughs> the
0: hidden uh secret lodges
1: have ah. you been to bohemian grove tell us the truth no, no but i I, <laughs> I am taking a trip to germany this summer oh dope and my girlfriend wants to show me like some places some castles yeah. and uh masonic lodges there's like an illuminati tour in bavaria yeah where they show you around and i, I plan on checking that out so
0: oh, yeah there's some cool stuff you could probably look up to um some of the uh alchemy labs like the old
1: alchemy yeah area. in in prague they have mm-hmm. yep, um john prague, d yep. john d's yeah. uh little alchemy shop over yeah. there i want to check that out i actually had a woman on it was a alchemy alchemic
0: historian who mm. deciphered arthur d john d's son's uh, texts about the Philosopher's Stone. Okay. And she actually, like, decoded it with this, like, computer program. Yeah. I'm well,
1: a so. big fan of John D. <laughs> yeah. Also, uh, the, the three books of cult philosophy. Um, that's that's also pretty good. Um, What's the three books of occult philosophy? I don't know. That. Uh, it's it's from Germany. Okay. Um, yeah. I don't want to get too much into it. I don't want to, you know, sidetrack it. But, uh, yeah. So, basically, when, when I say a cult, it's not a bad thing. No, I know there's sort of like a stigma and taboo attached to the word occult and mm-hmm. occultism. Uh, really, it just means like hidden, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, hidden, uh, not readily available, you know, just mystery. Yeah. You know, it, it doesn't have to be satanic or dark or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's where a lot of people get mistaken about it. When yeah. you know, they hear that word and they think it's like Satan or something like that. It, it's it's definitely not about that.
0: Well, from what I understand, it comes, it's a derivative of ocular. And okay. so it means hidden from sight. Okay, you know, so that's that's what that kind of comes from. But then you also think of cult as culture is right. Like it's right. So I think people get those mixed up, like occult and cult. Right. Um, but uh, but at the same time, like you were saying, this kind of uh, occult mysticism and how far it goes back and what's the true tradition of it, um, dating back to you know ancient Egypt. Yeah. And and so from what I I'm gonna I'm gonna like my little brief because I was thinking about this before I had you on the show. It's like I. Know about the Freemasons. I know about the conspiracy theories. But then I was like, "Why?" Well, you know what? I kind of know more about the history of the Bavarian Illuminati than I do actually Freemasons. And the understanding that I had the the, the general gist of the history was that this is was a uh, you know a, a, a group of builders, group of masons that were learned these ancient kind of uh, architectural. Uh, teachings that go back to all the way back to Imhotep, who was the architect of the Great Pyramids. And that that's kind of what the basic kind of uh, tagline, I guess, if you want to say, that I've known about the Freemasons. But what is, from your uh,
1: studies, what have you gleaned? Um, from my extensive research... It is too complicated to explain, especially okay. in, within one hour. but <laughs> Freemasonry is so old yeah. it predates you know modern religion and language mm. and various cultures throughout the world have had stonemasons mm-hmm. um you mean you know, South America, uh Pacific islanders, ancient China had ancient builders and fraternal societies, uh Egypt. Uh, Freemasonry is a vacuum that absorbed over time all these various influences. Uh, There's a few theories that historians are putting out there. One is that the Freemasons came from uh, operative stone guilds. Essentially, they needed members, and they wanted to further uh, their stance in society, so they would accept, you know, people of nobility, people who had money mm-hmm. uh, to sustain the organization. Another one is, you know, the Freemasons and the stonemasons were two separate organizations the whole time, and were working side by side. Uh, Joseph Ford Newton kind of put that in the, his book, *The Builders*, but I'll get into that later. Uh, so basically, the stonemasons were guys that. Pick the rough stones from the quarries. They mm-hmm. measured them and stuff like that. And also, uh, plasterers, uh, The Freemasons were the guys that were like the architects and the mm-hmm. designers, the planners, uh, guys that were really well versed in you know language, uh, mathematics, geometry. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so there's there's different theories, but uh, um, honestly, I was watching *Chariot of the Gods*. Not too long ago. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, Freemasonic influence in a lot of these ancient uh, structures. So Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Uh, Freemasonry predates, you know, society. I mean, this is ancient stuff. I mean, and if you want to get really deep into it. Uh, they, they talk about you know beings coming from the sky and yeah. showing humanity you know the way to build and geometry and the sciences and mm-hmm. all that so this is a very deep a very deep thing. I have a friend that went to Egypt and uh he was looking in some of the temples and the pyramids, and he found a lot of similar hieroglyphs yeah uh, that are like pre- like uh you know talk about freemasonry and and depict it so uh, yeah, I mean, but again, you know, in all, you know in, in all fairness, Freemasonry can be traced back to Scotland. Um, I, on record, on paper, mm-hmm. it comes from Scotland. Uh, where they got it, it's a mystery. And that was the first, like, Grand Lodge. Cor- correct. Right. Correct. Okay. And that was, what, like, 17-something? Or was that before that? It was a long time, way before okay. that. Okay. Um, and um, essentially, the Grand Lodge of England... Uh, Kind of superseded the authority over them Mm. And they were kind of disorganized in Scotland Okay Um, A lot of their lodges were kind of fighting amongst each other About who was older and and what have you Uh, But yeah, so Freemasonry has various Grand Lodges uh, In in every country um, But all... Grand Lodges adhere to the United Grand Lodge of England. Yeah, they kind of you know put the kibosh on a lot of the irregularities, and mm. they they kind of showed other Grand Lodges, you know, what's the right way to do your ritual and and how to conduct business and. Stuff like that, but uh, yeah, even in the United States, every state has their own Grand Lodge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and honestly, there's two Grand Lodges. Okay, um, our African American brothers have had lodges for a long time, mm-hmm. um, but some states, you know, decided, okay, we got to recognize these guys. Yeah, you know, they have their paperwork together. They have the proper lineage that goes back to the United Grand Lodge of England. Let's recognize them. Of course, there's a few states that still don't want to recognize them, you know, some of the southern states or what have you. But uh, here in Illinois, we recognize our Prince Hall brothers. Um, So in in most states, there's two Grand Lodges. And uh, a big part of the conspiracies is, you know, we have spurious or clandestine lodges that, you know, they start up an incorporation or an LLC and they say, oh, we're a lodge. Mm
0: -hmm. They
1: initiate people and haze them really bad, take their money And maybe they do sinister stuff, right? And then these people leave and go online on YouTube and say, "Oh, I joined a lodge, and this is what happened, and uh, you know, this is bad, this is evil, that that's not us." (laughs) You know, (laughs) Uh, I I was going to a concert. I'm also a metalhead. Yeah. So I was going to a Cradle of Filth concert a few years ago, and I was on my way there, and I saw two, you know, fake lodges there, and in a really sketchy part of like the West Side. Um, Yeah. So there's definitely fake lodges all over the world. Uh, Even in Italy, the mafia had a lodge there, the P2 Lodge. Huh. I believe it was in Rome, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, So a lot of people join fake lodges and they think that it's a real one. And bad stuff happens to these people, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they blame us, you know, and a lot of occult groups sprung from Freemasonry, mm-hmm. like S.O. McGregor Mathers, he left Freemasonry and started the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. Uh-huh. Uh, Aleister Crowley was a member of like a, a clandestine lodge in Mexico or something like that. So a lot of people do things. They claim Freemasonry, but it's really not us. The Illuminati, like like you mentioned, came from Bavaria. Uh, I guess the Jesuits had a monopoly there on mm-hmm. um, the universities and who could teach. Um, so he wanted to start his own school of, yeah. of wisdom for Adam, humanity. Adam Weishaupt? Yeah, definitely. And, uh, so he needed a ritualist. Um, cause he, I think he was only like a fellow craft. He only mm-hmm. made it to like the second degree or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so he, he got together with something, with a, someone called Kniega. And Kniega was a member of a German, uh, Freemasonic rite called the Rite of Strict Observance. And the Rite of Strict Observance was very chivalric, Knight Mm Templar-based, a lot of mysticism. Um, So he kind of took those rituals from the Rite of Strict Observance, got together with Adam Weishaupt. They revised them, changed it, and they collaborated, and they made the Order of the Illuminati. Mm. And then it was shortly disbanded, you know, in in the 1800s.
0: Well, I feel like um, partly what's similar, not just what you mentioned with the Illuminati and Freemasonry, but there's... the whole like 1700s you know the age of enlightenment and the kind of like uh, persecution by the church i think is kind of one of the reasons that there are still these like remaining kind of conspiracy theories because a lot of it was put forth by um uh, the church at the time
1: to kind of extinguish these kind of free thinking societies yeah. And we even have documentation that, um, I think, what, the Queen of England, uh, mm-hmm. not, it's, in, it's in this book right here that I've been reading, but uh, she wanted to get spies to join yeah. Freemasonry to see what they're about. You know, they're highly secretive. She didn't like that. Yeah. And then I guess some guys were privy that, like, they were being spied on. Uh-huh. So they went back and they uh, the, the Freemasons told the Queen, oh, they're good guys. Uh, but conspiracies concerning Freemasonry go Way back. Yeah. Like in the 1600s, I mean, there's speculation that we sacrifice children to mm. be Freemasons. Uh, they even accused Oliver Cromwell of being a Freemason. Uh, if you're a member of uh, the research groups, um, there's something called Ars Quattro Coronati. They're the premier research lodge in the whole world. They're okay. based in England. Uh, every year they produce research papers. Uh, yeah, they. It goes way back. I mean, they thought if you had the secret information of the master's word, you must have sacrificed a child or something. your right. first born. I mean, this goes back to like the late 1500s, early 1600s. They were talking about this. Well, I'm sure it probably correlates too to the what we were talking about with like uh, the teachings of ancient
0: Egypt and those, you know, within um, from how you know with. Kind of the retranslation of the Bible, what is the the Greek version? Yeah. is when they started adding in that Egypt was the, the the big enemy, you know, and the Pharaoh and Moses and this and that. And it was kind of at a time was it was really like a fake news kind of thing, yeah. and it was an attempt by the Greeks to kind of overpower the the Egyptian authority. And I think that kind of led into the whole like say you know anything that comes out of like ancient mysticism is satanic, yeah, you know. And then you have the Masonic symbolic, you know, symbolism that definitely correlates like you're saying to like ancient hieroglyphs, Um, the whole concept like sacred geometry, you know, the compass and the square and the G in the middle, you know, I could see like it becomes this kind of like esoteric symbol of some, you know, I I feel a a
1: problem is a lot of people, this stuff goes over their heads Mm -hmm. a little bit Mm -hmm. and they are afraid of what they don't really understand. Um, I also believed in the conspiracies. You know, I would watch, you know, guys on TV, on YouTube, you know, pastors, televangelists, all this is bad and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. I joined and it was the complete opposite of what these guys were selling me. Yeah, uh, I was actually a little disappointed that you know there's no goat being sacrificed <laughs> right, or something right. like that. It's totally not that, and I'm not just saying that. I'm I'm saying that because I keep it real. Yeah, uh, a little too real sometimes, and uh, you know I still talk with people that think that like we're sinister, and it's totally not true. Yeah, uh, we actually do great things. I mean, charity work. Uh, these guys will help you out. Um, you know, obviously, we don't all get along. It's, a, it's sure. a very humanistic fraternity society. You know, not everyone gets along, but I know when push comes to shove, these guys are there for me. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I during lockdown, for example, this is one example. There was church, There were churches that were not helping people during mm-hmm. this time. The Freemasons were helping people. That's uh you know. So you know, I. I really feel sorry for some of these people that think this is a real sinister thing. It's it's really not. Uh, If if anything, Freemasonry has brought me closer to my faith and and Mm. deity and God. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So in in Illinois, actually, it's interesting because um, Illinois had two Grand Lodges, Mm -hmm. uh, one in 1840, and then we had something called the Anti-Masonic Political Party in the United States. And um, so Freemasonry kind of went dark, and and lodges shut down throughout the whole United States. Hmm. And so Freemasonry, Illinois, shut down uh, shortly after 1840. And they didn't get brought back again until... uh, No, actually, uh, sorry. Uh, 1820, they shut down, and they didn't get brought back again until 1840. Okay. Uh, But in 1840, when they got brought back again, they needed startup capital. They didn't have it. So the only people in town... Or the Mormons. Hmm. Uh, So, yeah, in Nauvoo, in that area where Joseph Smith was settling, uh, there was a lot of Mormons that were interested in joining Freemasonry or who were already Masons already. And they're like, you know, we'll help you guys out. If we give you money to start your Grand Lodge, maybe you could return the favor and uh, order a dispensation to have our Mormon lodges formed. Uh, we had a grand master that did it, but it was highly controversial. Um, there was a few lodges that were like, no, we can't allow this. This is not right. And uh, eventually it led to Joseph Smith's death. But uh, Joseph Smith is an Illinois Freemason. Okay. A lot of people don't know that. Huh. I didn't know that. Yeah. so Interesting. Very interesting. All right. Well, good stuff
0: so far. we got to take a quick break. Uh, if anybody wants to give us a call and ask Brother Justice some questions, hit us up at 773-763-9278. That's 773-763-WCPT. We'll be back with more Think Theory Radio. Welcome back to Think Theory Radio. This is Damien. Today, I'm joined by Freemason Brother Justice. We're getting into some uh, very interesting history on the uh, origins of Freemasonry and occultism and kind of some of the conspiracy stuff. Uh, We do have some callers. Let's uh, take a call real quick. This is Jim. Jim, what's going on? Hi, how are you guys? Good.
2: I, I I used to live on Chestnut and Dearborn. I walked past these two. There was, this, it was a mansion across from Buckhouse Square. It was a Scottish right. Uh, it, all I could see was the emblem on the side. I must have walked by a hundred times. I lived on it for twenty years. There was never a soul in the place. It was a huge mansion right across from Buckhouse Square. Before you got to Newberry Library, yeah. On the other, it, it, well, was that part of the Scottish uh, right or the thing? or could you just expand a little bit on the Scottish part of this Yeah, anyway, guys thanks thanks, thanks a million for for thanks Jim yeah, thank you
1: <laughs> yeah um, that's definitely before my time I know the Scottish Rite Valley of Chicago used to be based in Chicago now they relocated I think in like 2006, they moved to uh, Hmm. Bloomingdale. But uh, I believe they did have a mansion though. So I I believe you are correct. Uh, But to what extent, I don't know. That was way before my time. Yeah. Um, But the Scottish Rite had a massive library. Um, and, uh, archive, and right now the library kind of like shrunk down in size but uh yeah, also the Shriners, the Medina Shriners mm-hmm. also had a very nice uh, building back yeah, in the I day I used to go there when I was a kid yeah, yeah. I went to the circus a yeah. long time, yeah. that's how I got introduced too like, yeah. what are these guys with the hats right. and all that, and then come <laughs> to find out, full circle but yeah, I believe you are correct the Scottish Rite did have uh, like a mansion over there.
0: I wonder if the Newberry Library has anything I still have that's, to check that place yeah, out that's it an sounds amazing pretty cool. library, yeah. Yeah.
1: that's probably like our... I don't know.
0: Famous library. <laughs> well,
1: the Scottish Rite is but amazing. The, it's it's my favorite organization. They're they're a class class organization. Yeah. The I Newberry
0: Library them. though, it's like it's you know, it's like the Art Institute of books. Yeah. Like if you want to have some kind of comparison. But I love that Jim called it Bug House Park because that's an old school term that goes back to and I'm sidetracking for a second, but that area, so Washington, Washington Square Park, which is called now, used to be called Bughouse park and that's because it used to be a huge um soapbox type of place like back in the late 1800s early 1900s and that whole area was a place called hobohemia and there used to be a speakeasy over there called the dill pickle club and like uh, carl sandberg and uh, jack johnson and all these old poets and revolutionaries and communists would meet there and people go to the park and they'd stand on the soapbox and preach and but anyway, just
1: a little Chicago history in there. <laughs> yeah, I also found out Philip K. Dick is from Chicago. I didn't know that. No, I didn't know yeah, he, he was from that's Chicago. Right. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That blew my mind when I found out about that. That's funny because I just I just picked up a, a Philip K. Dick book the other day. Yeah, he's
0: that's another uh, name Rosendary. we could put in the uh, yeah. For those <laughs> of you playing, yeah, at home. yeah exactly yeah. the drinking yeah. the yeah. think theory drinking game. Oh, yeah. Philip K. Dick was mentioned. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's uh, before we get back into uh, what we were talking about, let's take one more call. We got Dan. What's going on, Dan?
3: Hey. Um, so yes, the Catholic Church was not a big fan of fraternal organizations because they had secrets, and part of the reason the KFC was formed was to give Catholic men an organization to join that was not the Masons, Odd Fellows, or the Correct.
1: others. Correct. Yeah.
3: And so. But it turns out that really it was formed to get insurance for members uh, of the church because at that time anti uh, anti Irish and Catholic um, uh, prejudice was so rampant that uh, they would not allow if you, are you Catholic and they wouldn't they wouldn't sell you insurance. So that was part of it. I've been out to that Scottish Rite building in uh, Bloomingdale. Uh, I actually photographed the uh, members of that organization for a, a company that does that. The lodge is absolutely amazing. We got in there; we're, we're not members, and the building at both ends has uh, sculptures right. from the Colombian ex- exhibition, and a, pa- and the, a few uh,
1: paintings too. They have uh, a lot of yeah, artifacts. Oh my
3: gosh! And they, they have a they have a huge uh, mural off the main dining room and a gigantic. Tiffany, um, I would say it's a good six to eight feet. Uh, uh, yeah. Ceiling fixture, and it is. It, it it's almost worth you. I shouldn't say almost. It's worth joining the organization just to give the They have a small two hundred and fifty feet theater. It is absolutely magnificent. Oh,
2: and
3: uh, no,
0: yeah. I, All right. So
3: it, 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 that's why the the KFC came along. Okay. It was a reaction to those other groups.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Dan. Thanks for the call. Let's uh, see what do you got to say on that, yeah, brother well, Justice. Well, to
1: my knowledge, um, the Knights of Columbus—I believe that's what he's yeah. mentioning—they uh, recently changed their ritual. They made it shorter, more condensed. Uh, I know they had like a three degree ritual system, mm-hmm. but uh, they they changed it because I guess the membership declined. Uh, with fraternal organizations, we're we're facing kind of a, a dilemma right now where membership is declining. Hmm. Kids nowadays are not interested in these things. Yeah. They they like TikTok and Fortnite, and yeah, <laughs> the internet and uh, and um, I also read an article that male bonding is in a decline hmm. in the United States. Uh, A lot of guys aren't getting together anymore, and that's unfortunate because the guys need a place to hang out with other guys and enjoy... Uh, the time, the camaraderie, you know, the fellowship. That's very important in our society and I think we're losing touch with that. But uh, to speak on the Scottish Rite, I'm very honored and humbled to be a part of that organization and be the assistant librarian and look at their archives and see what they have. And I'm there when there's only a few people in the building and I have access to things that most people just don't. Yeah. And uh, it took a while for me to get to that. Uh, you know, it took me like three years of begging them, hey, come on, let me in, let right. me this, show me this, show me uh, And they finally got sick of hearing me beg about it, and they're like, all right, you could be the assistant librarian. Brother Carl Peterson, he's the main librarian. He's kind of showing me the ropes. And uh, the Scottish Rite is truly an amazing organization. We have a Super Bowl party coming up, too. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. I, I'd never miss those parties. But uh, the Scottish Rite is a class organization. If you don't know, the Scottish Rite uh, really isn't Scottish. Mm-hmm. It comes from France, and it was worked in the Caribbean islands, these hmm. degrees called the Royal Secret. Uh, yeah so these degrees were worked in the Caribbean islands, and uh, one gentleman named Aunt, uh, uh, Franken he brought these degrees he made a copy he probably paid a lot of money to do it uh, and he made a copy of the rituals uh, they came to the United States and then they got picked up in Charleston, South Carolina, and then they became the Scottish Rite there yeah and then uh, the Scottish Rite also came about in the northern part of the United States. But it was like a like a fake body, a uh-huh. uh, like an imposter group. Yeah. Uh, and then eventually they reconciled and joined forces. And to this day, we have Scottish Rite in the northern and in the southern. Uh, they're they're pretty much the same organization, but the ritual and the drama. Um, there's 32 degrees. Uh, that you see and it's like in a play setting kind of like the jury lane theater or something like that in in Oakbrook you kind of like see a degree presented in like a live theater setting Hmm. Um, and there's differences in the ritual between the north and south the south uh, was kind of uh, spearheaded by someone named Albert Pike He's um, a little somewhat controversial name, up yeah. here because he was a Confederate uh, G- brigadier right, general. Right. Uh, however, he kind of turned on the Confederacy. A lot of people don't talk about that. Hmm. He owed them money, and uh, he kind of <laughs> he kind of split from them uh, eventually. Uh, but uh, uh, Albert Pike was heavily influenced by the occult mysticism, yeah. uh, the Kabbalah, uh, the Zennavesta, the 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 religion of the Parsees. Uh, I mean, everything, and he kind of put these. Uh, symbols and allegory into those degrees, whereas our degrees are a little bit different in that regard. Okay, they're not as uh, mystical per se. Okay, but they're still very good. Yeah, um, it's just it's just a culture thing. Our culture up north is different than down south. I guess. Hmm. that's interesting. Yeah, so the degrees
0: are different in the respect of what. You need to learn for each degree, or yeah, just kind of the you title still, of each you still You still
1: get the same lesson mm-hmm. out of the degree. Okay, it's just it's portrayed in a different way, a different format. Okay. For instance, we have degrees that are about, like, Native Americans mm-hmm. or the American Revolution or, okay. or, you know, stuff like that. They have degrees that are, like, ancient Egypt or, yeah. you know, it's just, it's just a different flair. But the message, the core message is still the same. And as a member here of the northern jurisdiction, I could go down south and see at St. Louis or Iowa or yeah. whatever. So, like, you know, we, they accept us, we accept them. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing those degrees, actually, down south. Yeah, that sounds cool. Yeah. Now, I know you brought some books. Yeah. What uh what are these books you brought here? So, basically, if you are a conspiracy-minded person that thinks, you know, the Freemasons are just evil scum of the earth type <laughs> people, these three books will definitely dispel all those myths and rumors that you were lied to about. Okay. Um, so I'll start with you, this one here. Uh this one is called Anti-Masonry. Uh, by one of my Masonic idols. His name was Alphonse Serza. He passed away a while ago. Uh, This is called Anti-Masonry, Light on the Past and Present Opponents of Freemasonry. Uh, Alphonse Serza was from the Chicago area. He was a lawyer, a law teacher, and he authored many books on Freemasonry. And uh, he was the spearhead uh, behind the Illinois Lodge of Research. And uh, this book is kind of hard to come by, but if you could find it, I would definitely pick it up. It talks about like all the groups that were against Freemasonry in the United States uh, and elsewhere. It talks about the popes and and stuff who were against Freemasonry. Uh, a lot of conspiracy stuff. This is an excellent resource if you can find it. Uh, so, yeah. Okay. And then another book. Um, this was by uh, penned by my friends Arturo de Hoyos and Esperant Morris. Uh, these gentlemen are, like, very prolific when it comes to Masonic authorship. They write a lot of books. Amazing books. I don't even know how they do it. It's like... They're using chat GPI or something. I don't know what they... They they must not have a life, these guys. I love them to death. Sorry if you take offense to that. I love you guys. Uh, But yeah, this book, um, Is It True What They Say About Freemasonry Uh, by Arturo De Hoyos and S. Brent Morris. This book goes through all the known conspiracies that are mentioned about us and dispels them. Okay. Yeah, it's very simple how it's outlined. Uh, All the sources are cited. Um, yeah, it gets really in depth about all the conspiracies. Now this book I'm reading right now. I'm, I'm kind of reading this at work. I work at, at the office, and sometimes I get really bored at the yeah. office, so I have time to read. So I'm almost done with this one, but this book is really amazing. Uh, this is called The Builders by Joseph Fort Newton. Okay, um, and it talks about like how the stonemasons developed and how they were building cathedrals and places of worship, and uh, it talked about um, you know the esoterics and like a little bit of the occult mysticism behind what they were doing. Uh, this book was actually given out to members of the Scottish Rite a long time ago. Also, members of Iowa who joined Freemasonry. Uh, I wish they would give this book out. This book is amazing, an yeah. amazing resource. Uh, this man Joseph Ford Newton was a wealth of knowledge, really. Um, so, a lot of the citations, the sources, I'm kind of reading through them now. You know, I'm highlighting some of his sources, looking up those books, yeah. and uh, it's just it's opening up a whole portal. But, uh, yeah, this man was amazing. He that talks one looks a, pretty old. To, when was that written? Uh, I think in, like, the 20s. Okay. This is, like, a newer edition. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I think it was, like, from the 20s, if I'm not mistaken. So, okay. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent resource. Uh, the Builders by Joseph Fort Newton.
0: Now, since we're talking about kind of the conspiracy aspect or debunking them, I have a book. It's called The Secret Founding of America, basically. I forget okay. the, the author's name. And, honestly, I haven't finished it. I, it's... It's huge and it has a lot of information in it. Um is it by Manly P Hall? No, it's not by No, okay. no, no. He's he's written some great stuff, but yeah. no, this is a more current book. Okay. Um but it's it, it's kind of clunky the way it's written, so it's it's I haven't it doesn't have a flow to it that I like when I read. But anyway, aside from that, it talks about so his whole thing is that there was like the the whole purpose of the uh the uh, Pilgrims, but the the other the other group, the ones that settled in uh, Virginia, um, the Quakers, the Quaker, or it was the Quakers, yeah, the Quakers, and there was another group. Who was the the uh, the original settlers in colonial? United States. Telegrams? Jamestown, Jamestown. Oh, gosh. Uh, but anyway, it's the Jamestonians. <laughs> but that they were part of the kind of like this Masonic thing and that Francis Bacon was part of it. And it was all like this kind of like, because he wrote that book, A New Utopia. They say like, Francis
1: Bacon really was Shakespeare. Yeah, I've heard uh, that too. If yeah. you get into the, uh, the occult uh, stuff and read those books, you know, they say that you know Francis Bacon was hiding Rosicrucian elements mm-hmm. in Shakespeare's uh, folios. And uh it, it it seems to be a pretty plausible theory. Hmm. I mean they get really in depth about it. Yeah. And uh yeah. Uh so yeah, the the Rosicrucians that's another group that came out of Germany um and uh, I think it was like the 1600s or something like mm. that. And they were pulling, they were putting out these pamphlets all over Germany yeah. about a new age of awakening and spiritual awakening. And uh, you know, we're we're gonna disband and we're gonna be in secret for a hundred years. And then a hundred years from now, the world's gonna know about us. Yeah. And uh, you know, in Freemasonry, there's sort of a Knight Templar element when Mm -hmm. you get into the higher degrees, so to speak. Technically, they say there's no degree higher than the third degree of Master Mason. But, I mean, if you could count, I mean, chronologically, there's higher degrees. And once you get into the Knight Templar stuff, uh, you do see some underlying Rosicrucian elements, Hmm. um, which is really cool. So I'm definitely into that as well.
0: And what's the? Is there any correlation between the Knights Templar and Freemasonry?
1: Historically, kind of... on paper, no. Okay, but if you know your stuff, you would see otherwise. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of similarities. Mm-hmm. I mean, so the operative stonemasons use different uh, tools to to do their trade, like a chisel, a mallet. Uh, the, uh, the trowel, to the mm-hmm. spread the cement, all these things. Uh, we talk about those in Freemasonry when you go through your degrees and, and the rituals, they, they, you know, bring some of these tools out and explain what this is and the allegory behind it and how we should use it to build ourselves up, to be more noble and glorious, right? But, and there's, a, there's an officer in the lodge. So basically we have, you know, positions in the lodge, one guy does this. One guy does that. Uh, one is called the Tyler. He carries a sword. Mm-hmm. And he guards the outer door from from spies and eavesdroppers. Okay. Right? But, you know, the operative masons weren't using swords. Hm. So where does this come from? Yeah. Another brother had mentioned that to me, and I kind of was like, well, you're right. So where did the swords come from? Yeah. You know? So... I know. I've been to uh in, in Malta
0: there you have the Knights of Malta which yeah. are connected to the Knights Templar. Yeah. And I've been to some of their actually what's interesting is I was on a radio show that was in one of the old Knight Templars home. Like, cause they built this area called the Three Cities, and it's like this, but you walk around the Three Cities, and you see all these different symbols around there. You see the third eye, you see the spiral symbols, and all this stuff, and yeah.
1: it's pretty interesting. In the, in the Knight Templars, we also have a degree called the Order of Malta. They're called Orders, not degrees. Uh, so yeah, we have the Order of Red Cross, the Order of Malta, and the Order of the Temple. Uh And the order of Malta's pretty cool, yeah, pretty esoteric,
0: yeah, there's some yeah, yeah Malta's a, if you ever get a chance, go out there, it's a very interesting place, yeah. but uh we gotta take another quick break, and uh we'll be back with more Freemasonry stuff on Think Theory radio right after this. Welcome back to Think Theory Radio. This is Damien, and today I'm joined by Brother Justice, and we are talking about Freemasonry, occult wisdom, history, all kind of stuff. Uh, let's before we get back into um, the conversation, let's bring in another caller. We got Andrew and Evanson. What's going on, Andrew?
2: Good evening, gents. Uh, great topic. Uh, real quick, um, actually, it's Bug House Square.
0: Yes, That's Bug House Square Park. And, You're
2: right. And Yeah, and Studs Terkel, you probably know, wrote extensively about it and and was inspired by it. Um, I've been to Santa Fe, New Mexico a number of times, and there is a beautiful, majestic uh, Scottish Rite temple in the middle of uh, the city. It's done up in in a red stone that just stands out. It's it's very, very um, just stunning. Uh, and, And then a quick question. There are a lot of, sadly, there are a lot of Freemason buildings around the area that are um, empty or no longer used, obviously, as temples. Like the one in Evanston. One in Met. <laughs> one in, well, I was going to say there's one in Wilmette that uh, they're turning into uh, condos. Mm. But, um, you know, any comments on why so many of them are, are
1: closing other than the membership declining? Um, it, it's a it's a number of things. There's a lot of variables and components a part of it one Membership decline. They're not getting revenue in from yearly dues paying members Another thing is you know the cost the taxes the the property taxes on these buildings the upkeep is very costly um, And you know when these gentlemen purchased these buildings, you know in the 1920s 30s, whatever They were so big I didn't really think they thought about the future generation of where things were heading in society and the cost of living and inflation and stuff like yeah. that. Um, uh, sadly, we're losing a lot of these buildings because we can't afford to upkeep them, to be honest with you. Uh, in my lodge in Barrington, it's a very beautiful lodge, but there's always work that needs to be done. Mm. I mean, uh, we luckily, we have a benefactor who's like a billionaire. Yeah. Who's a member, and he donates a lot to our lodge. But you know, it's always like a hundred grand this year, and yeah. twenty grand a few years from now, and it's just crazy. And we're also fighting the village uh, on some issues too. Uh, because you know they have historical um, mm-hmm. value to these homes, mm-hmm. and some of the villages have ordinances on what you can use, what some of the materials are, no, like landmark. E- yeah, exactly. And uh, you know it's just it's just very hard. Uh, so there's so many variables on why these old buildings and temples are you know no longer around. But uh, it's very disheartening. But yeah, it's it's too much. A lot of, a lot going on. A lot of work. A lot of upkeep. A lot of money. Yeah. Thanks for the call, Andrew. And uh, Do you guys ever talk about – so I was thinking about this as you
0: were saying how, like, the numbers of members are decreasing. Do you ever think, um, you know, since you guys are kind of technically a secret society and you keep a lot of things kind of in-house, do you ever talk about in this age of, you know, social media and everything about being a little bit more open in order to get people back in?
1: We, We have tons of podcasts and video vlogs and stuff nowadays. Yeah. I mean, you could search it on the Internet. Um, Like there's a local one. Shout out to my bro, RJ, uh, Robert Johnson, uh, the host of whence Came You. Uh, He is very popular with the podcast. You could check him out. You could check me out. Modern Working Tools. Um, I try to invite uh, speakers from all over the world, you know, Masonic authors to come on and let's have a talk. Um, There's a lot of push for uh masonic education we have conferences and festivals where there's guest speakers and some of them are open to the public too yeah or we invite people and yeah so there is a, a, a brand awareness thing going on uh it was such a secret back in the day that i heard stories from older members that would say hey i went to a lodge and i was getting initiated and i look and i see my uncle yeah. And I, I never yeah. knew he was a Freemason. Yeah. And I said, Uncle, I didn't know you were a member of this at oh, all because I never told you. Right. It was really a secret. Yeah. And I feel like back then it was you had to be
0: asked. Yeah. You couldn't ask to be in, I don't think. Um,
1: you, you you could have interested. asked, but how what I was told is back in the day you had to ask like three times. Okay. Or like, you know, ask me later. Yeah. Ask me later. Yeah. And then if you're really serious, they'll hand you a petition. Um, you know, if you ask other Freemasons, they'll say otherwise. Oh, we're not a secret society. We're a society with secrets. And that that could be also true. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you could look and drive around and see a Masonic temple. You could Google search a Masonic temple. And then we're not a secret in that regard. Yeah. However, once you join a, a Freemasonry and become a Master Mason, uh there's certain invitational groups that are quasi-Masonic. Yeah. That you could get invited to, and those are really secretive. Okay. Like, you won't know about it unless yeah. you get invited. Luckily, I've been invited to a few of those, uh, and a lot, a lot of people know about them, but, uh, yeah, so I guess we, we are secretive, but the secret is sort of like out now. I mean, mm-hmm. there's expose books that have been, that have been written a long time ago. You could go to a public library and probably find our ritual, or the Library of Congress, I'm sure, has some of our stuff. I mean, it's not really a secret. Mm-hmm. However, If you're, like, the layman or the profane, as we call it, you know, you could take these books, read it, but without, like, the proper understanding, you know, you won't have the context to understand what you're reading. Uh, You really have to be initiated in it to really be like, oh, that's what that is. Okay. Yeah. So some stuff is, like, taken out, uh, abbreviated. Some stuff is, like... In code, uh, yeah. written in code with the vowels out. Uh, this, every jurisdiction is different. In Virginia, there is no books. There, there are no books. Hmm. Uh, it's mouth to ear. Oh, wow. So they have to tell you the secrets of the ritual over a period of time. Uh, there's no written book of it. Here we have a book. You yeah. know, you memorize and stuff like that. But other jurisdictions, like in down south, they don't have it.
0: Okay. Now, have you been to the uh, the Scottish Rite uh, Library in D.C.? Yes, I have because I've seen um, pictures and yeah. I know that it's been used in movies and films Yes, and it's pretty that
1: place looks like it's <laughs> okay. I was very fortunate enough Secret temple I was very fortunate enough to visit that area and I got to see you know the the George Washington monument shout out brother Sean He's like a curator there. He got to show me the, uh, the whole George Washington Masonic Memorial, mm-hmm. all the floors. Uh, then I got to see George Washington's lodge, Fredericksburg, number four. Shout out to the guys there in Virginia. Uh, they showed me an excellent time. And I also got to see the Scottish Rite Temple in DC. Uh, A brother there, he's like uh, part of the security. Yeah. Uh, He tipped them off that I was coming and they let me in after hours, like when the the visitor hours were closed. Oh, nice. And I got to just walk all over there by myself and just see what they have. And uh, yeah, you're very beautiful, but very hot. (laughs) If you're going during the summer, I mean, uh, fair warning—it's very hot in there. Okay. Uh, I don't know if they have proper AC unit because they it's have a lot of unit. artifacts and antiques oh, and right. stuff like yeah. that. Uh So yeah, definitely bring a portable fan or something like that. It's very hot, like but a, it's very beautiful. Yeah, and they have a huge library in there. Yeah, yeah it's massive. So. But uh, it was kind of crazy because I'm looking at their library and I'm like, oh, I have that. Oh, I have that. Oh, yeah. our library has that. Oh. Hmm. So they they have a lot of stuff that we have too. Yeah. So I was kind of interested to see like, oh, I have that at home. Yeah. You know. So. <laughs> I'm on the right track. Okay,
0: so now, speaking of uh, what you have, your books, your collection. Yeah, what's the most? Uh, I, I mean, I'm sure it's a huge list, but if yeah. you were to pick, you know, one or two, like one of the most interesting finds of a book that you have in your collection. Ah, oh, so many, or even one that you've seen in the library. You're just like, I, what is I, this? I
1: collect books and artifacts. Um, But but one thing I don't own that the Scottish Rite does own here, um, so I don't know if you know this, but Illinois is very intertwined with Freemasonry. The first governor was a Freemason, Hmm. and also our first Grand Master, Shadrach Bond, the guy who designed the Illinois state flag, also a Freemason. Hmm. Most of our counties in Illinois are named after prominent Freemasons. Oh, wow. Not a lot of people know that. I didn't know that. A lot of counties. I mean, in our research papers, we have a whole list of all the counties. It's like two pages long. Oh wow. Um so um one a few books, the the Valley of Chicago, uh, they get donated books from deceased members. Okay. And some of them are high profile. Uh, One gentleman, his name is John. His name was John Corson Smith. He was a Civil War general from Galena and he was a a master of the miners lodge over there in Galena. Uh, He was a Civil War general. He he donated a lot of his books and he would write and have correspondences to different countries like Scotland, England. Hey, uh, Ireland, hey, what are the books you guys have in your Masonic library? Send me a catalog of what you have. And, you know, can I have some? Can I buy some books? Like, his books collection is crazy. And to get to read his books is just, just really surreal. Uh, but I do collect a lot of artifacts, you know, um, Like medallions, the lapel pins, uh, jewels. Uh, I have one from 1810. That's a Knight Templar jewel, um, and it's from the same commandery. That's what we call like the Knight Templar bodies, commanderies. Okay. Uh, It's the same one that uh, Marquis de Lafayette was an honorary member of in New York. So I think that's pretty cool. That is cool. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, we don't have a whole
0: lot of time left, and so we definitely we'll probably have to do a, a. second part a third part maybe a fourth
1: part definitely we could do installments (laughs) and i could come back well
0: real quick um before we go because we've got a couple minutes left and i feel like this is something we could touch upon which is kind of uh you know uh very a part of Freemasonry is the actual, the symbol, the G symbol. Like a lot of people I think see it around, but don't know what it is. Yeah. Can you explain,
1: can you break down what the symbol is? It's up to interpretation heard things that it's, you know, God geometry. I mean, I mean so many different yeah. things. Um, also, you got to keep in mind that the G is mainly popular in the United States. Okay. If you go to Europe and stuff like that, you don't really see the G. Even though it started, I believe, in England, but for some reason it became really popular here. Hmm. And then once it became popular here, I think uh, the European countries were like, oh, let's do without it. Yeah. So it's not uncommon to see a square encompasses, you know, with without the G. But really, there is no explanation of what the G is. It's whatever you will think the G is. The grand arc. Architect. Grand architect, God, geometry. Yeah. Um, I even heard a theory that it's about generative principality, where it's about, like, uh, I guess there's some underlying phallic symbolism okay. involved with Freemasonry. Why do we wear the apron? Yeah. That goes back to Osiris. He, he mm-hmm. got his thing cut off and okay. stuff like that. Uh, but it's also about, like, you know, generational. Yeah. You know, so... There's all types of theories. I'm similar. sure. I, I have no idea in <laughs> short. So.
0: I've even heard that the uh, the baseball diamond was supposed, supposedly like baseball was founded by uh, theosophists, okay. And that the baseball diamond is supposed to mimic the
1: Masonic, the compass, the square, and the pitcher's mound yeah. is the G. You know, um, if you join our research lodge, you don't even have to be a Freemason to be a corresponding member of the Illinois Lodge of Research. Yeah. So you can just go to IllinoisLodgeResearch.org and join. And uh, one of our back issues, I think from last year, um, a brother named Darren Laners, he wrote a little article about that. Okay. So if you want to read a little bit more into yeah. that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a few uh, baseball players that were Freemasons, and they're... Seems to have some symbolism too, but uh, a lot of brothers, yeah. they overlook that. They don't know about that. So. Well, we'll talk about it more next yeah. time. But thanks a lot for coming
0: on, I man. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I'll be in touch. Uh, thanks for the listeners. Thanks for the callers. We'll be back again next week, every Saturday, 6 7 p.m. Think the Radio. Who robbed
2: a fish of their sight?
0: Who rigged every Oscar night?